Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. But we'll ask Matt Taylor now uh, about Jonathan Taylor. So, Matt, I was just asking, first off, if you could give us an update. We now know DeForest Buckner not practicing today. Jonathan Taylor, Braden Smith also out as well. Others that were missing would be who? Uh, as of right now, those are the big ones. Uh, yeah, we'll find out, um, you know, definitively here in a couple hours. Uh, actually, probably in an hour when Shane Steichen meets with the uh, uh, media coming up after practice. And, and like you said, uh, I don't know how much you heard. I don't know if I was over the air or not. But, you know, everything this week is kind of bumped up a day, obviously, because you're playing on Saturday instead of, of Sunday. So, yeah, you're right. Tuesday was kind of the normal Wednesday walkthrough traditionally that they've grown accustomed to here late in the week or late in the season um so yesterday was kind of the first full day of practice and then today is kind of like a friday practice so we'll find out here in a couple minutes you know who's in who's out who's questionable kind of those statuses but yeah those are the big ones to me it's it's right tackle considering you know what you got coming off the edge potentially um you know from the steelers with tj watt who has cleared the concussion protocol uh, after being put in it on on Saturday, which is really kind of interesting, which is probably a you know conversation um, outside of this one, but uh, it looks like he's going to play. And then, you know, what do the Steelers do if Alex Highsmith can't play? But if both of those guys are healthy and active, man, that's a really tall order for the Colts and their tackles. Down one of their tackles and uh, Braden Smith and probably Blake Freeland getting his eighth start of the season. Hey, Matt, it's Brendan with. DeForest Buckner not practicing, obviously, like you said, still got to find out what's going to happen come Saturday. But, you know, it's kind of a musical chairs almost feel that once Stewart comes back in, Buckner not practicing today. Just your reflection from both of them playing together in Cincinnati and what the inside of that D-line looked like. Yeah, I thought it looked better. And I, I, I would still think, you know, DeForest Buckner is in one of those, he's in a rare class or you put him in a, a bucket where, you know, you still feel good about him playing and the production you would get out of him potentially if he can't practice all week. You know, you don't say that about a lot of guys, but, you know, he's just that good. And he's only missed one game since uh, being picked up by the Colts in 2020. And that one game was because of COVID. Um, so it really wasn't uh, an injury or anything like that. So, you know, he's really been you know, an Iron Man, really durable. So just because he doesn't practice today doesn't completely rule him out for for Saturday, in my opinion. We'll find out. But I thought the running game was better um, on Sunday. Now, the biggest thing is, I mean, you're still giving up over 100 yards in, in seven straight games. But it was noticeable, um, the difference inside. Now, the problem is Cincinnati still got theirs by breaking them outside. You know, Mixon had some – um, nice perimeter runs with the bounce, and then obviously they got their big plays through the screen, which is kind of a byproduct of the Colts being so good in their pass rush the last couple of weeks, kind of using that against them in that game with was like 124 yards on, on screen passes on, on three plays. That was a, a huge backbreaker in that game for the Colts um, down there in Cincinnati last Sunday. So um, I thought it was better, but, you know, Grover Stewart talked in the locker room this week. He admitted that, you know, he still kind of 
kind of rusty a little bit. You know, game shape and conditioning was um, not there like it had been the first six, seven weeks of the season before his six-game suspension. So that's going to take a little bit more acclimation, maybe another week or two before he's kind of like that finely tuned version of Grover Stewart before he had to sit out all of those games. But, um, yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, the, the heartbeat of that defense is up front between those two outstanding defensive tackles. That's really big in this game on Saturday because – you know, say what you want about the Steelers' offense, and I know it's sluggish. They're not putting up a whole points or a whole bunch of points per game, right around 16 per. Um, but they're running the heck out of the football. I mean, they they've got over 900 rushing yards in the last six games, which leads the NFL in that time period. So they have two really good backs right now, and Harris and Jalen Warren. Both guys are over 800 scrimmage yards for the season. So you're right, not having Buckner out there potentially, that's that's something to watch for Saturday and the Colts' ability to slow down the Steelers and take away their ability to control the game. Matt, you ever flown on Southwest Airlines? Indeed. So you know when you fly on Southwest, if you don't buy that early bird dealio, right, you stand there and it's like, you know, you're like B-56 and then you're looking at the person next to you and they're B-55 and you're like, do I – you know, B-57 just jumped in front of both of us. Do I say something? It gets very awkward, right? But it gets congested as you're waiting to board the plane. Yeah, okay. they're like the general admission. They're like the uh, the lawn section at Ruoff. You know, <laughs> That's you, right. You show up and right. hope for the best. So so here's here's my point to that. The the AFC wildcard standings right now are kind of like the B borders on Southwest Airlines, right? Like, like there's this log jam, and you're kind of trying to figure it all out. Is there a danger for the Colts in starting to wonder what everybody else is doing? They got a great opportunity here with Pittsburgh because it's another team that's right in that same vat. But are the Colts, which way are they handling it? Are they looking at it saying, look, here's what we've got to do and here's what other teams have to do in, in preaching the importance of each game? Or do you lock out all the scoreboard watching if you are internally within the building? Well, I think it's kind of healthy to do both and to have a good perspective on things. I mean, most guys, they know what time it is, right? They they know where they're at in the season. There's three games to go after this Saturday. So the margin for error, if you don't get this game against one of those seven and six teams, um, it, it's incredibly small. And you know, all the analytics analytics websites have it going from like a if you win, you're up to like 60, 65 percent of uh, a chance of making the playoffs, and if you lose, you're like under 20 percent of making the playoffs just with this one game because of what this one game means because it's against the Steelers who are also seven and six. Um, it's an AFC game, and it's also that that crucial head-to-head tiebreaker, which is inevitably, I think, going to come into play. You know, the the first weekend of of January, once we get into um, you know the week 18 or week 17, trying to hash all this out. So there's no doubt the guys kind of balance the the urgency coming off a loss last week and knowing how important this game is, but not letting it kind of cripple them and not let it kind of have that, that paralysis by analysis method where if you think too much and put uh, too much pressure on yourself, you're not going to be able to go play fast and perform and, and just play at a high level in such a pivotal game. So I think guys are really kind of embracing this situation. And I was talking with Mo Alley Cox in the locker room just yesterday, actually, and he had really good perspective. I mean, he's been on this team or with the, the franchise since, what, 2017. So he has seen the highs, the lows. He's seen the drama with coaches and Andrew Luck retiring 10 days before the season. I mean, he's, he's pretty much seen it all. And, you know, he had really good, uh, you know, a good reflection yesterday. It's like, you know, this time last year, we played a Saturday game this same week, week 15 in the middle of December. We played, you know, in Minnesota. 
And we all remember what happened in that game where you gave up the, the biggest lead in the history of the you know, NFL and, and couldn't win that game. And the Colts were headed for a, you know, a terrible finish to end the year at 4-12-1. That was just one year ago. And now look at them here. They're, right, they're 7-6, and six, and they got everything in front of them and a chance to you know, make the playoffs and make some noise with a backup quarterback for a majority of the season. So that's how quickly things change in the NFL. And he also noted that hey, just because you're 7-6 and six now and – you know, I think it's pretty much luck right now, considering the log jam the Colts are in at seven and six with six other teams that have the same record. For them to have the seven and final playoff spot going into this game is kind of a semantics thing with the tiebreakers and the AFC stuff, right? You know, with, with when you factor in, you know, who who beat who and all that stuff. The Colts are pretty lucky to be in the position that they're in. But again, Mo Ali Cox noted that this is all going to change at the end of the week. And the only way we can preserve one of our playoff spot is, uh, spots is by winning. And so that's what they have to do to, to remain you know, solely focused, singularly, singularly focused on this game, knowing just the magnitude of these last three, but this one holding more weight than, than, the, than the other. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Matt, speaking of Mo Cox, Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts, is our guest. Uh, another guy within his position room, Will Mallory. I was impressed with what he is able to do. It seems like They've and you tell me if I'm off base here, but my observation has been that at the tight end position, the Colts that is one area that they're still kind of rotating guys through to see who really wants to take the reins. And maybe some of that is um, circumstantial. You know, I mean, it, sometimes you need a receiving tight end, sometimes you just need a big blocker. Mm-hmm. But Will Mallory to me seems to be a guy that if they want to get in particular for Anthony Richardson a tight end that can do some stretch reception type plays that he is one they're taking a hard look at. Your thoughts? No, absolutely. I mean, he's really coming on. I mean, the last four games, he's got 10 catches for 86 yards. And he had five for 46 against Cincinnati last week. And you're right. I mean, once Anthony Richardson comes back, I have a – I have a you know an interesting um, you know suspicion that just like you that you know those two guys are going to have a high degree of synergy and chemistry together. Um, he's just an unbelievable athlete, unbelievable target there at, at Miami. I mean, his last couple of years in college, he had over 800 receiving yards and you know seven touchdowns, and just a great athlete. Like I said, I mean, ran the 40-yard dash and at 4.5, and um, you know he's a guy that the Colts targeted in the draft to. You know, spread the field and and also also stretch it down the field as well. So you know, this is a guy that I think the Colts are going to continue to rely on. You know, these last four games, and you know, obviously Gardner Minshew doesn't have a hard time throwing him the football into some you know, obviously some some you know, crunch time uh, situations, but more so you know some 
tight windows with guys draped all over him. So that's going to be something that I'm going to keep an eye on the rest of the season is Will Mallory's production within this offense. Because for a while there at the beginning of the season, you're right, it was kind of a fluctuation between you know Granson and Ogletree and Mallory to see which guys are going to be up and which guys are going to be active and you know playing time and things like that. Now basically all of them are a go and they all have different roles and kind of you know they're kind of situational tight ends but I think between the 20s and when you need yards to get yourself in a scoring threat that's where Will Mallory has really kind of cemented a nice little role for this team within this offense. Matt did the running game and its inability to get uncorked against Cincinnati um, which is unusual I mean Zach Boss has obviously been a really good player in particular the first you know half of the season was that as much about a Offensive line, lack of health for the Colts. B, wrong scheme. Or C, Cincinnati defensively. I think it was Cincinnati knowing that, hey, for us to be in a bad position on defense, it's we can't let this ground game get going from the Colts. Despite the fact that they didn't have Jonathan Taylor, we know that Zach Moss is a very capable back and I think that's that's shortchanging them but I think everybody knows what I mean by that but you know their linebackers very much played downhill close to the line of scrimmage they were stacking the box I think in the last four games the Colts have faced like a 37 percent uh, stack box rate which I know is very very analytical but um, it just goes to show you that right now teams are are selling out to stop the run and they're making the Colts essentially kind of play in a you know, a 15 to 20 yard field where you got a lot of crossing patterns. There's not a lot of stretching down the field. That's why it was so, it was so fun, honestly, to see the Colts stretch the field two weeks ago against Tennessee. That first drive of the game, they hit that chunk play, that 36 yard touchdown pass to Alec Pierce, and they came back to a similar play. That right, they hit they hit Pierce on the deep um, post on the touchdown. Then they had the deep uh, go route in overtime to set up the game-winning touchdown for Michael Pittman Jr. Those plays, for whatever reason, just weren't part of that offense in Cincinnati. So I think teams now, it's a copycat league, and Cincinnati knew that we're going to make Gardner Minshew uh, beat us with the quick rhythm, timing throws, but if you've got a lot of people in the, uh, you know, at the line of scrimmage and you get that pass rush, um, there's not a lot of avenues for him to, to work with the football. And that certainly played out that way, and the Colts have to remedy that in this game. I uh, just somehow, some way, you got to find some more shots, some more chunk plays, not only to to soften up the defense that's playing so quickly or so uh, close, I should say, to the line of scrimmage, but you also just have to help yourself score. You got to help yourself be more efficient on offense. The Colts can't go, you know, ten, eleven, twelve play scoring drives to get in a touchdown. There's just, there's just too much that can go wrong, and these other defenses are just too good, right? You get a false start penalty or a holding penalty, that backs you up. Or a team makes a play on first or second down, getting a sack and a tackle for loss, that screws you up in terms of down and distance as well. So right now the Colts' offense is just really hard to sustain long drives while also scoring touchdowns at the same time. Um, you know, they did that in Tennessee to a degree. It worked. It didn't work in this game against Cincinnati last Sunday. I just want to see more pop and more, you know, stretching of the field somehow, some way to help this offense get points, you know, quicker and more explosively than they have been. Matt, last one for me, and this might be a weird question, but does the history of the last 15 years with Pittsburgh have anything to do with this game in your mind? Because it's it's different, right? Because you don't see them every year. It's it's not to the extent of a divisional opponent. But 
I mean, the numbers don't lie. I mean, Pittsburgh has dominated this series for the last long period of time. But it, does that play any role in this game in your mind? I don't think so. I really don't. I mean, because every year is different. I mean, the Steelers roster turns over 30% every year, just like the Colts does. So, um, you know, I don't think last year's game has any bearing on this year's game. In fact, I mean, I know the Steelers, they continue to dominate the Colts, but the last four games have been decided by seven points or less. So they've been close games no matter where they've been. You know, for me in this game, you know, kind of, I get what you're saying, and I know the Steelers and their fan base, they travel well, right? You know, a lot of the upper deck is going to be terrible towels just because they're going to snatch up those tickets. That's not an indictment on, you know, Colts fans. That's that's the Steeler nation. That's Give them credit. They're a very good fan base, and they travel well. So they're going to be well represented no matter where they go. Um, but, you know, th- this Steelers team – is not the Steelers of even four years ago with Ben Roethlisberger making, you know, playoff runs. I mean, right now they're seven and six and they're hanging on for dear life. I mean, this is a very winnable game for the Colts. There's no doubt about it. But that being said, Pittsburgh still plays that physical brand of football under Mike Tomlin. He's been there since 2007. So in that sense, they've got an identity, but Pittsburgh, they do they do four things well. They really do. On offense, they run the ball well, and they take care of it, right? They lead the NFL in fewest turnovers with only 11 on the season. Then on defense, their point total is pretty good despite the fact that they've given up a lot of yards. They're kind of middle of the road and you know rushing and passing and total yards allowed. But they've got a top seven point total allowed, which is under 20 points, and they're really good at taking the football away, and they're good in the red zone. Those are the hallmarks of their team right now. So you shouldn't be scared of it. You shouldn't be intimidated by the Steelers, even though they've won every matchup since 2008, right, eight straight games. But this is this is a different Steeler team. It's a very winnable game. It's at home. It's at your place. It's a chance to make a statement. It's a chance to win a game, not on prime time, but it's a standalone window, 430 on a Saturday. You're the only game in town. Everybody across the nation is going to be watching the game. So you have a chance to kind of make a statement. And there's a world of difference, like we said, in this game. There's a world of difference at the end of this game around 730, 8 o'clock on Saturday night between 7 and 7 and 8 and 6 because of the ramifications of uh, this one game and the head-to-head tiebreaker that the winner is going to have on the loser. Matt, I will call you on Sunday morning and remind you that it's Sunday, not Monday, and you don't have to go into work despite the fact that it's the day after a game and you've got a weird day off where you can go hang out at Costco. So I will do that for you, okay? Uh, I wish. Costco's awesome. I don't have a Costco membership. <laughs> well, <laughs> but maybe I can smuggle in or something, you know what I mean? I'll, I'll sneak you my card. I have it for the gas benefits. <laughs> Matt, appreciate it, man. All right, guys. Be good. Thank All right, you. Matt Taylor, the voice of the Colts. We come back. We will continue to take a look back at last night's Pacers-Bucks game, get a little more into that, and reflect on the greatness that is the Hall of Famer George McGinnis, who passes away uh, here. That news coming out this morning from the Indiana Pacers. We'll do it with Mark Monteith in just a couple of minutes here. Quarry Company, 93.5-1075, The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.